Hi, this is Kale Clark. Welcome to The Faith Explained on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio mobile app. I'm so glad that you're with me today for this journey of exploring, understanding, explaining, and defending our Catholic faith. We looked at recently the temptations of Jesus as a way to kind of illustrate, deliver us from the evil one. It's the evil one, not evil in general. And so we've got to resist those temptations. And sometimes the temptations can arise from within. Can't blame everything on the devil. Sometimes it is from the devil. Sometimes it's from other people, circumstances, what have you. But we've got to do that. And there is a certain utility for temptation in our life. Obviously, what the devil means to tempt, God can use as a test. And in fact, uh, Origen, who is a, a scholar in the early church, uh, not all of his ideas were 100% kosher, but he, he did have some great stuff. And one of the things that he said was this. He says, there is a certain usefulness to temptation. A usefulness to temptation. All right. Well, this is actually, this saying of origin is actually quoted in the Catechism of the Catholic Church in paragraph 2847. I want to read this to you. It's always great to read the Catechism, by the way. A lot of people are intimidated by the Catechism. They think, oh man, I look at this book and it's so big and it's so, so thick. I guess we're using a digital version like I use now. You don't see how big the book is, but don't find it intimidating. It's actually very understandable. Now, some people go for the compendium to the catechism, which is kind of a shorter version of the catechism. came out a few years ago. It's done in a Q&A format, a little bit like the old Baltimore catechism from days of yore. Uh, that's always a perennial favorite as well. It's still good today, but uh, don't be afraid of the actual CCC, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, because... It's actually beautifully written. There's so much great stuff. Just, you know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You know, read the catechism one paragraph at a time. And, and it's just really well done. What a gift to the church that was promulgated uh, during the pontificate of John Paul II. But in paragraph 2847 of the catechism, we see this. It says, The Holy Spirit makes us discern between trials, which are necessary for the growth of the inner man, and temptation, which leads to sin and death. Okay, so there's a huge difference there. Trials, which are necessary for the growth of the inner man or the inner woman, as it were. It's a little bit like weightlifting, right? I mean, the, the resistance, not that I would know about that, but the resistance, the resistance bands. Some people use resistance bands. You need that trial to kind of exercise those spiritual muscles, the muscles of the inner person, right? They, they, we've got to get bigger on the inside. Hopefully not on the outside, but anyways. So trials are necessary for the growth of the inner man or the inner woman. And then there's temptation. That's a different ballgame altogether. The catechism says that leads to sin and death. Now, I once knew a priest who said, one way to get rid of temptation, for sure, it'll always work. One way to get rid of temptation is to give into it. I do not recommend that whatsoever. I think he's, he was kidding around, of course. He was kidding around. But temptation is nothing to uh, fool around with. It always leads to sin and death, must be resisted. If we do give into it, sin and death are going to be the result. We don't want that. So the Catechism goes on to say this, again, in paragraph 2847. It says, we must also discern between being tempted and consenting to temptation. Uh, that's that's really important, too. And, and there's, there's a lot of people out there who struggle with scrupulosity. I'm one of them. Uh, my hand is raised. You can't see me now. But 
And a lot of people think just simply being tempted means that they've sinned. No, no, no. It's consenting to the temptation, right? And yes, there are sins of the thought life as well. Not all sins are, are actions, but but you have to consent to it. If if you it's it, when it pops up, that that doesn't mean that you've sinned. You, but you have to we, you have to resist it, right? You can't indulge it. You can't give into it. Uh, that's the difference, right? So a lot of it has to do with the will, strengthening the will. So the Catechism again says we must discern between being tempted and consenting to temptation. Finally, it says. Discernment unmasks the lie of temptation, whose object appears to be good, a delight to the eyes, and desirable, when in reality its fruit is death. Okay, so there's there's obviously a clear reference there to the Garden of Eden. And as my friend uh, Cardinal Collins likes to say, uh, we're not we're not quite sure really what the for- forbidden fruit actually was in some paintings. Of course, it, it's an apple; uh, it's depicted as such. But he says, you know, the real problem isn't the apple on the tree; it's the pear on the ground. <laughs> it's Adam and Eve, right? And so they saw the fruit as a delight to the eyes. Oh, this looks pretty good; it's desirable, but unfortunately, it brought about death. And so let, let's go on here. This is, again, paragraph 2847. See, this is amazing. This is the richness of the catechism. I've just taken apart one paragraph, and there's so much there, isn't there? It says, God does not want to impose the good, but wants free beings. There is a certain usefulness to temptation. This is the quote from Origen, the, the great scholar of the, of the early church. God does not want to impose the good, but wants free beings. There is a certain usefulness to temptation. No one but God knows what our soul has received from him, not even we ourselves. That's an interesting thought right there. No one but God knows what our soul has received from him, not even we ourselves. This says, but temptation reveals it in order to teach us to know ourselves. And in this way, we discover our evil inclinations and are obliged to give thanks for the goods that temptation has revealed to us. You know, I I once heard a story about the war in Afghanistan. It's a true story. And there there was a soldier, uh, obviously there were Canadian soldiers fighting there as well against the Taliban. And there was, a, there was a particular Canadian soldier who was considered to be a screw-up. He, he, he just was, was not, he was there, but, but he wasn't exactly elite. No, he was lazy. Uh, he, he didn't seem that he was that with it. Uh, wasn't a skilled marksman. But one day, uh, the Taliban attacked his unit. And this guy, who nobody would have imagined, became the hero of the day and saved countless lives, braved enemy fire to rescue his fellow soldiers. And and he really showed what he was made of. And he probably didn't even know what was within him until he was tested by the battle. And I think that's what the catechism is kind of trying to point out here in the spiritual life, that temptation reveals what what our soul has received from God, what's really in there. A lot of us don't know what we're made of until we test ourselves, until we are tested in the battles of life. Temptation reveals it to teach us to know ourselves. And if we do fall, if we are wounded in battle, and that happens when we sin, then, then it's a learning experience for us. It shows us our weak points. 
And then we have to give thanks, in a sense, for, for God allowing the experience. Catechism says we're obliged to give thanks for the goods that temptation has revealed to us. And I think just, just that one paragraph is packed with so much richness. The idea that we need to thank God for everything, uh, even those things which are humanly unpleasant, um, because he, he's allowed it for a good reason. And, and he wants free beings. He's allowed the possibility of walking away from him. That's what sin really is. So we can sin. People can sin against us. Even though, obviously, that was true for the angels as well. And when they fell, Lucifer and his companions, they became the devil and all of his minions, all of his demons. And so they had a choice as well. And so better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. That, that's really what's, what's happening here. So it, there can be a certain usefulness. I think origin is right. Origin is right. Another thing, too, and Scott Hahn mentions this in his book, Understanding Our Father, he says, contrary to popular belief, temptation is not a sign of God's disfavor or punishment. And he mentions that all throughout salvation history, think about some of the, the most choice saints of all time, God's favorites, as it were. A lot of them faced very harsh trials, and some of them even gave in to temptation at various times. Think about Abraham. Abraham was asked to sacrifice his only son. As we talked about in a previous episode, there's a Jewish tradition that says, you know, that was basically Satan, almost like in the book of Job, daring God to test Abraham. Oh, he, he's not going to give up his son. He, he doesn't love you more than he loves his son. Oh, really? We'll see about that. Is that the case? I don't know. But Abraham came through with flying colors. He was actually going to do it. God had to stop him. What about Joseph? Joseph was beaten up. Uh, his brothers hated him. He was sold into slavery. Well, God had plans for his life, and, and that whole thing, and we, we talked about this on the Genesis series on The Faith Explained. We talked about how the fact that Joseph was sold into slavery, he winds up, yes, going to prison, and all kinds of terrible things happen to him. He's falsely accused, but he eventually winds up saving his family and, and all the people uh, during the famine when he becomes the number two guy in all of Egypt. Unreal. So this is God's providence at work. What about Job? We mentioned him just a moment ago. His family, gone. His property, destroyed. Satan basically was on the loose and turned loose on him. Jesus, we, we, we've been talking about this for, for the last couple of episodes, being led up by the Spirit. And as Mark says, he was cast out into the desert to be tempted. And so, what's happening there? Jesus himself had to experience that. And if, if he had to experience it, then we shouldn't really be wondering if it's happening in our lives as well. But understand that God wants to bring about good fruit once we have entered the struggle. And in the case of other saints like King David, he gave in. He did give in to temptation. He committed adultery and murder. This was the man after God's own heart. The prophet Nathan had to call him on the carpet and say, no, no. You have sinned mightily against the Lord. And, and Nathan was really, probably had to swallow pretty hard there because David could have said, off with your head, how dare you speak to me like that? But he had the humility to know that he was right. And so he repented. Now, there are consequences to his actions, but he repented. And so this is how God tests us. This is how he tries us. As scripture says, like gold in the furnace. In the book of Wisdom, the Wisdom of Solomon, it says this, God tested them and found them 
worthy of himself. Like gold in the furnace, he tried them. And like a sacrificial burnt offering, he accepted them. In the time of their visitation, they will shine forth. And that's from the book of Wisdom, chapter 3. You're listening to The Faith Explained on Relevant Radio. I'm your host, Cale Clark. Okay, so here's another thing, too. And Han mentions this in his book, you know, just because of the fact that coming through on the other side of temptation, and there, there are even lessons that can be learned from falling to temptation. We're going to get into that in a second. Not, we shouldn't go looking for that. Just because temptation and trials can strengthen us does not mean that we should be uh, running to this. In the early church, you know, there's so many Christians that they, they knew that martyrdom was the ultimate crown. And the church has always taught that martyrs who shed their blood for the gospel of Jesus Christ, they go straight to heaven. There's no purgatory for them. They go straight to heaven. And even if they're not baptized, the, the, the baptism of blood, uh, the blood that they shed serves as their baptism. So it's like, go directly to heaven. Do not pass go. Um, it sounds like a good deal. And so a lot, a lot of early Catholics actually tried to become martyrs during the Roman persecutions. They, they tried to kind of take that honor unto themselves, if you will. And a lot of them failed under pressure. When they were being persecuted, when they are being tortured, they gave up the faith. And actually, in early church councils, like even at the Council of Nicaea, after the, the faith had been legalized, there were brawls that happened, out-and-out brawls, a lot of animosity between those who had given up the faith, they had apostatized, they repented, they came back in. That was a big question. Can they ever come back if they've denied Jesus Christ and worshipped the emperor? Can they ever be accepted back into the church? And then there were people in, in the council that were literally missing eyeballs and you know, had parts of their body hacked off in persecutions, and they were like, no, 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 we don't want to let these guys back in. I mean, we had to give up so much, and they, they it seems too easy. It seems scot-free, uh, such is the Lord's forgiveness. But at any rate, uh, that's kind of a sidebar story. We, we shouldn't be looking to be put in the path of temptation. As Han says, Jesus did not teach us to pray lead us into temptation. He said, lead us not into temptation. So we've got to run away. There, there is no shame in running. Okay. This is the one time when it comes to sin and St. Jose Maria Scriva talked about this. He said, especially when it comes to, to sins of, of lust, sins of the flesh, take to your heels, be like Joseph. You know, when Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, he, he literally ran right out of his coat. She tried to grab onto it. He was out of there, hightailing it down the road. Take to your heels. Don't try to be strong. Don't see how much you can resist. Don't try to see how much you can endure. It's a, you're always weaker than you think. And the devil's going to exploit that, that false pride. Um, pride goes before fall. And speaking of that, speaking of that, that's exactly what St. Paul talks about. But, but first, you know, another thing that, that Han mentions, I think this is, this is really important too, is that the night that Jesus instituted the Eucharist, the night of his arrest, and this is especially talked about a lot in John's Gospel, but Jesus warned the apostles, his hand-picked 12, don't forget, that many of them are going to fall away and run away. They're going to be tempted severely when he was arrested, when he was put on trial. Uh, most of them did take off. Only John stuck around uh, to see the crucifixion. They fell away. And remember the bravado, of course, of Peter. Oh, even if everyone else betrays you, I will never do it. You know, not me. 
All these other schmucks, forget it. They're going to, they, they, no, they're not as good as me. They're not as faithful as me. And Jesus said, oh, really? Well, before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. And of course, that's exactly what happened. So we have to be very, very humble here. And this is why Jesus said in Luke chapter 22, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And when did he say this? In the Garden of Gethsemane, when he's praying. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And then he says it again. When they fell asleep, remember Peter, James, and John fell asleep. They couldn't keep watch with him. He said, why do you sleep? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Luke 22, 46. So this is, this is incredibly important. And, and all of the other petitions of the Lord's Prayer that we've been looking at, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Are we doing God's will? If we haven't been doing that, we're going to be weak. We're going to be pray uh, to that temptation, not P-R-A-Y, but P-R-E-Y. So we have to be very, very careful. If we're not forgiving others, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. If we've been holding grudges, then we're weak spiritually. And, and that, that crack is going to get bigger and bigger. So that, that's, that's part of the problem here when we come under trial. And so I'm going to quote Han here. This, this is a really good quote. He says, Trial is necessary, but if we enter trial with unforgiven sin or with an unforgiving spirit, we will be unprepared. We'll lose. What causes a difficulty to become a temptation? It is our own inability to bear it because we have failed to live out the other petitions of the Lord's Prayer, end of quote. And so very much like trying to I mentioned weightlifting earlier. If we try to lift a heavy weight, if we haven't been practicing, if we haven't been working ourselves up, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to clean and jerk 300 pounds all of a sudden. My arms are going to fall off, right? So we, we have to, we can't bear it. We can't bear the weight because we haven't been living out the rest of it. So it's all very holistic, and that's what we have to understand. So, all right, well, what happens next? What happens if we do uh, bite off more than we can chew, and we face temptations that we're not ready for, and we do wind up failing. Then what? Well, God hasn't thrown us away. Don't don't despair. You're listening to The Faith Explained on Relevant Radio. I'm your host, Kale Clark. Temptations do come, and God allows them, again, to help refine us, to help make us better. So here's a question. A lot of, a lot of people ask this question. Okay, if we're, if we're weak, if we're going to fall at the moment of trial, then God knows that already. He doesn't need us to fall into sin in order to, to understand, yeah, I knew he was weak. I knew she was weak. I knew that was going to happen. So, so what's the point? He already knows what we're made of. And we see this in the gospel as well. And in, in John's gospel, it says that Jesus would not entrust himself to the people because he knew what was in a person. He knows. He knows. He can see right through us. He knows. You, you might be able to fool the others. Maybe in your sanitized social media profile, you make your life sound perfect, but God knows the truth. And so, if he already knows, what, what's the point? Why does he need to test us in this way? Well, the reason why he allows these temptations, and again, the temptations don't come from God. God cannot tempt anyone. The reason why he allows it is because Although he knows that, you know, what, what's going to happen, we don't know. And we need to learn about ourselves. We need to learn how weak we are because very often we're quite delusional about this. Think about Peter once again. 
He was far from being rocky, and that's really what his name means, the rock. He was very much like shifting sands. In fact, the name Simon, his prior name, Simon means reed. Like think about the reeds blowing and, you know, cascading in the wind. That, that's how stable he was before the resurrection. But God, of course, changed him. So we need to learn about ourselves. And so uh, Scott Hahn mentions there, there are four things that St. Paul talks about uh, in his first letter to the Corinthians in chapter 10. And, and it, these are really important to know. And we did a whole series on 1 Corinthians. It was called Saints and Sin City. We can learn a lot about this. This is on the Relevant Radio website on the Faith Explained page. But in his first letter to the Corinthians, St. Paul actually gives us this four-step plan, how we can actually turn temptation to our own advantage. So here, here's step number one. What St. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 10, he says, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. So again, this is, this is humility here. If you think you're standing firm, that's when you need to be most concerned uh, that, that you, you're actually a lot weaker than you think because this is spiritual pride coming in here. So that's number one. Number two, Paul also says this, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. And then this should actually be very comforting to us. The fact that there's no, there's no, you're not going to come up with some sin or some temptation that nobody else has ever dealt with. And this is one of the reasons why people are afraid to go to confession because, oh my goodness, if I tell the priest what I did, he's going to say, what? He's going to look around the curtain and say, are you serious? You did that? He's not going to say that because trust me, he's heard it all before. He's heard it all before. There, in fact, he might even be a little bit bored. You know, don't don't think your sins are original. They're they're not. They're not. Okay, they're, they're, they're absolutely not. This is what the devil wants you to think. That tongue-tied devil, he doesn't want you to admit it. Doesn't want you to get the forgiveness. But so so never think that way. Uh, nothing. They're all all the sins are all the same. There, there, I mean, there, there's nothing original here. So the good news is that the church has given us so many great examples of saints who have overcome, like people like Peter. I, I think Peter is probably most people's favorite apostle of the 12 because they can identify with him. He's sticking his foot in his mouth all the time, making all these grandiose boasts that he can't back up. You know, his mouth is writing checks, his body just can't cash, right? And so we can identify with him. And as G.K. Chesterton said, you know, the reason why he was made the Pope, he was the worst of them all, is because no chain is stronger than its weakest link. If Christ can make him strong, well, then we're in pretty good shape. We're in pretty good shape here. So, and he also understands. He understands what it's like to sin, the mercy. And this is part of it as well. I'm going to get into this in a little bit, but this this is one of the reasons why God allows us sometimes to fall into these follies, to to have patience and mercy with others who, when they mess up and even when they sin against us, because we can't claim that we've lived perfect lives either. So that, that's step two, that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common. All right. Step number three, St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, God is faithful. He says, God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your strength. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So if if God has allowed, God is not the, the originator of temptation, as James says, God tempts no one. But God, we, have, we must admit, he does allow it to enter into our lives, but only to shape us, only to teach us. 
And so if he does allow a certain temptation or trial to come into your life, understand this. He's going to give you the way out from that temptation. He's going to give you an escape hatch. Just got to figure out what that is. So in other words, if it seems strong, then he thinks you're strong enough to handle it. Okay? And St. Cyprian said this. He said, the adversary, that's the devil, the adversary can do nothing against us unless God has previously permitted it. So it's very much like in, in the case of Job, where, where he had the devil, if you will, like a wild animal on a chain. You know, he can only go so far with Job. And he was allowed to, to bring a lot of destruction and wreak havoc in his life, but, but only so much. He could only go so far. So God does allow it, and, and there's a reason for it. There's a reason for it, and we've got to remain faithful. And then the last thing, this four-step plan from St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, Therefore, my beloved, shun the worship of idols. Okay, that, that seems interesting. So if you look at step one, if you think that you're standing firm, t- take heed lest you fall. That's don't fall into pride. Number two, no temptation has overtaken you. That's not common to anybody else. Okay, there's no new sins, if you will. Number three, God is faithful. He's not going to let you be tempted beyond your strength. He's going to provide a way out if you are being tempted. So if you give in, it's not God's fault, okay? Oh, it was too strong. No, no, no. You made a choice. And then number four, number four, the last thing, shun the worship of idols. So what, what's the connection there? How can not worshiping idols prevent all this from happening? Well, he goes on to say this. He's talking about the Eucharist after this. He says, the cup of blessing which we bless Is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? And Scott Hahn says, that's the escape hatch right right there. That's that's one of those escape hatches, our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And remember that super substantial bread, the Eucharist, because when we receive Jesus himself, when we are united with his flesh and blood, guess what? We get his strength as well for the battle. And so St. Paul says, get rid of the idols in your life because idols, as Han says, are the things that we think are going to get us through the trials, but they can't do it. They can't measure up. So whatever you're trusting in, whatever material part of the creation you're trusting in, whether it's another person, whether it's, uh, I don't know, your car, your car can't drive you away from all the temptation. whatever it is that you're trusting in yourself, your own powers of spiritual strength, it's not going to get you through. Only Jesus can. And so what we need to do is shun all these idols that we think are going to get us through, and they're not going to be adequate to the task, and depend on Jesus himself. And then we'll know that he is the one, he is the one who can get us through Uh, all the trials and bring us out on the other side more conformed to his image. That's all the time we have for today. But if you have a question about the Catholic faith, I'll try to answer it on the air. You can send it to me via email. The address is faith at relevantradio.com, F-A-I-T-H at relevantradio.com. Or you can try to get your question to me on the X app. My handle is at Kale Clark. I'll be with you later today at 5 p.m. Central for the Kale Clark Show live on Relevant Radio. And I'll see you in the next episode of The Faith Explained. God bless.